Make the choice to begin anywhere in your life, and the journey has started. We exist more than just to educate. We exist to also revitalize. And along the way, you can inspire others and be inspired. But now there's a new generation of scholars, and I am among them. If you really want to know who you are and what you are capable of, Howard is the choice for you. Take a moment. Listen to the stories by joining the president of Howard University, Dr. Wayne A.I. Frederick, and his guest on The Journey. As we commemorate the first Women's History Month since the historic election of Kamala Harris as the first female vice president of the United States, I hope we have all taken time this March to appreciate the progress we've made. But certainly, we all have more work to do to ensure our society continues to be more equal, more diverse, and more representative. Hello, my name is Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today, Dr. Jay Dewani, joins me for an insightful conversation about how we can continue to empower women during this Women's History Month and beyond. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Frederick. So thanks for joining us. Um, lots going on for uh, the month of March, a different type of uh, history month. Uh, this will be the first year with a female vice president. Mm -hmm. Let me first start by asking you about your thoughts about the historic um, election of uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. It is indeed a historic month and a historic year, if we can um, add that, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the election of Vice President Kamala Harris as the first woman Vice President of the United States is historic globally, knowing that the United States has been leading in the fight for democracy and in the fight for women's rights in different spaces. But to have the first woman Vice President be a woman of color and most so have such a strong connection to Howard University, not only amplifies the voices of women globally, but particularly it speaks to the voices of black women and women of color globally. And as you think of your own journey uh, and you reflect back on growing up in Ghana, tell us what that was like uh, at the time that you grew up in Ghana. So I was born at the cusp of my father's um, professional life, if you call it. He was a, a military colonel in Ghana. And um, I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, shy to say that it was under a military dictatorship, which was unfortunately what was happening within Ghana and many other countries across the continent. And so I was born at a time when he was the top military leader, uh, very close to the president at that time. But that also meant that a few years after I was born, he was um, another military dictator, took over, and my father was thrown into political detention. So for the formative years of my life, I really didn't have access to my father. So that meant that I was brought up mainly by my mother and my maternal grandmother. And so I think from a very young age, I saw the power of women leading from the home and they really molded me to be who I am today. And, I, and in the educational system, do you think there were disparities that were based on gender in terms of where people would guide you at that time in your formative years in terms of interest? So if you developed an interest as you went on to become a lawyer, were people encouraging of that or were people saying to you, this is not something you should pursue? You know, I must say that I never really got that in terms of the educational setting, being told what to do. But I remember very well, I would get comments like, you are so beautiful, you should be a nurse. Mm -hmm. 
you are so beautiful you should you're so quiet you should be a teacher so it wasn't so much about my gender but the perception that I, I had a looks that could make someone feel well if right. I was a nurse but then again I think it was gendered because I wasn't told to be the doctor right, right. so I right. think that's the aspect of uh, gender but yeah. my parents never really um, distracted me from any kind of or push me into any particular professional setting. I wanted to be an architect, but I just couldn't draw a straight line. <laughs> I wanted to be a medical doctor, but I just couldn't understand physics and chemistry. <laughs> so I ended up in the law. I understand. Now, in, in, uh, as you decided to pursue law, why, why law? What about maybe your, your high school years you know, really got you interested in pursuing law as a career? I think it was partly unconscious and maybe conscious. Um, I was, and I still am someone who cares deeply about people and people's suffering. And I thought if I couldn't be a medical doctor to help with the sick physically and mentally, I could help people by defending them. And so I decided that law was what I wanted to do. And my ambition was to be an international human rights lawyer and go around the world defending the rights of women and girls. Then as I grew and I studied and I realized there were so many human rights abuses, especially when it came to women and girls. And I realized that I would just cry reading about those. And I thought, okay, how can I still be a lawyer, defend the rights of people, but do it in a different way? And I decided pursuing education, further education, doing a PhD, that I could do that in the classroom. So I joke and I tell my students, I'm still a human rights lawyer, but I'm doing it in the classroom, giving you your right to education. <laughs> right, absolutely. At the time that you got your PhD in political science, with your background as a lawyer, what do you think, at that time, what did you think about the politics around feminism, gender rights, uh, gender, or even gen gender inequities? What do you think the state of our politics mm -hmm. were here in the U.S. and probably even more globally? Yeah, from a global perspective coming in back into the U.S., I think that the, the thing that connects my, my three different degrees, the law degree, my master's in international development, my Ph.D. in political science, it's, a, it's, always, been it's always been centered around women and girls. Mm -hmm. And so if you're talking about law, at that time there was the, uh, a smaller number of women lawyers, and even in spaces in countries where they were, a good number they were not in leadership positions in law firms or in the judiciaries if you're talking about international development international development policies uh, were affecting women negatively in as much as we would want to believe that these policies were working towards empowering women and of course in politics there were also countries that had never had women as presidents across the continent of africa until um, ellen johnson Sirleaf, which was after had and so you find out that with all of these laws and policies do have a positive outcome for women if they are looked at from a gendered lens. And that is what we need to have a discussion about, how to look at these policies from a gendered lens in order to promote understanding of women's issues. You're listening to The Journey. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today is Dr. Jay Dewani, Associate Professor of Political Science and Executive Director of the Center for Women, Gender, and Global Leadership at Howard University. Talking about um, your scholarship, Let, let's focus on that um, a bit. Now, so your scholarship certainly uh, caught my attention as, as we've tried to focus on um, issues of gender and especially women issues um, to which I feel particularly uh, motivated by. Uh, a large percentage of our 
um, undergrad campus, 70% plus uh, in some years, um, are women. And our decanal leadership now, nine of our 13 deans are women. And so with that in mind, um, I, I've always felt that this is an area that we should have. And your scholarship certainly, I think, um, put some, some foundation and platform around that. Uh, tell our audience a bit about the genesis of uh, the center that you're leading and, and uh, kind of what you anticipate doing with the center. Okay. Coming to Howard and Brant again, just realizing the wealth of history, the wealth of legacy of women in Howard history, whether it's the founding mothers, if you want to call them that, or mm -hmm. just the alumna we have, and just the student body, like you said, and realizing how powerful these women are, and really seeing that these, these are the, the kind of attributes I read about. These are the kind of attributes I want. I'm very much positive oriented. I don't want to look at problems and get distracted. So I like to see positive things and highlight those. So um, just that legacy of what women in Howard history have done really pushed me to say, if we don't have this, where else can it be? And I would say that um, under your leadership, and really thank you for being open, because it takes an open ally to make sure that we push the agenda. We've been able to get this funding, and we're going to be establishing this center. We're still working on the mechanics of it, but it's going to be a global center of excellence for black women and global gender issues, so that we can have put together all the developments that have happened in the history of Howard, increase women in leadership, but most importantly, prepare our students to be the next generation of women leaders we want to see. Right, and, and as you look at that, especially as we, you know, Howard is, is such an epicenter of so much of, of black excellence, but I think what sometimes really powers it forward is the collective um, aspects of what has happened around all of the globe that has been touched um, by, uh, by what happens here on this campus. So with that in mind, especially on the global aspect of it, you have um, an involvement with UN Women and the He for She campaign, and maybe you can tell uh, our audience a bit about that as well in terms of how you see the center touching. I think that's this may be one example. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, um, the, the center, we rightly call it a global center of leadership, right? So women in global leadership is that we are, uh, Howard University has seeds everywhere. The Howard alumna who are men, women who are all over the world. And so we want to harness the African or Caribbean women, or you name it, Howard alumni who are globally located. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, we have our alumni, um, African-American students who are also working globally, maybe not located in the space, but global organizations that they're working in, even if it's here in the US. So how do we do that? By creating partnerships with organizations that also share this vision of excellence for global gender issues. And the UN is one of those. UN Women, as you know, was established to address specifically gender deficiencies or women's deficiencies within the organization, but also globally. So UN Women, under the president and the current leadership, executive director, Fumzilin Glambungoka, has set up the He for She campaign, which really is an idea of involving men in the fight for gender equality. And I'm glad to say that Howard University has partnered with UN Women under your leadership, and we are going to be promoting gender issues and women issues in partnership with men. And that's going to be really exciting to open up and bring black men to the table when we're talking about gender issues and women's issues. What do you see as the most critical issue 
or a couple of issues for women today and their advancement? So there are five areas I've identified for the, the center to focus on. And someone asked me, why don't you just choose one so that you're globally known for one thing? Mm -hmm. And I said, unfortunately, black women, we don't have the luxury of choosing just one. <laughs> Our lives are too complex and too intersectional. So what does it mean? That if you're looking at the five areas the center will focus on, it's law and social justice, mm -hmm. which social justice, as you know, it's a big part of Howard University's mission. It's also women in politics and public policy, how the laws and the policies affect women and black women and all women. And we're also talking about health and wellness. We know that data show once again that black women are disproportionately affected by health issues. And then business and entrepreneurship. And then the last one is women in science and technology. I don't want to choose any of these five children over uh, <laughs> one, one over the other, but I would say that the main focus really would be entrepreneurial leadership mm -hmm. because we know that money and capital really pushes many doors open. So, and Mrs. Marin has mentioned that she's ready to help us build this kind of um, base for capital and business and entrepreneurship. And I think once women have economic opportunities, many other doors will possibly open, but they also need health. They also need the laws that would make it possible. They need science and technology and, and artificial intelligence and all of those. Well, we certainly look forward to uh, the success of the center. As we close, as I ask every guest who comes on the journey, why Howard? Why Howard? Howard is a place where I can be me. I don't have to pretend to my colleagues, to my students, I don't have to be careful with what I teach. I don't have to pretend everything is okay when it's not. We are very open. We, we take our frustrations and we express them, but we also look to how we can build community. And that's what really drives me at Howard and makes me always say, this is really a place I want to be. And it gives me a sense of always wanting to give back. So at Howard, I'm giving back and, and, and giving back to people who need it the most. And so even though I couldn't be a medical doctor, um, I think that Howard allows me somehow to live vicariously through medical doctors like yourself, through Howard University Hospital, the School of Pharmacy, Law. We have all these great programs at Howard. And so I'm able to connect with people and live vicariously. And that's really what inspires me at Howard. Well, thank you. You're using your, your talents. Um as good medicine as they say, applying salve to wounds that I think for too long uh, women have endured and I think that that healing uh, couldn't be more timely and I think that you're, you're the right uh, type of doctor for that type of disease process, so we appreciate you. Okay. Thanks for being here. My guest today was Dr. Jay Dewani, Associate Professor of Political Science and Executive Director of the Center for Women, Gender and Global Leadership at Howard University. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey.